Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome here to the fifth episode of the Night Sports Net podcast. It is your boy G, alongside with me, Hunter Eating Bach, aka aka. Is that how you say it? No. <laughs> how do you say it? Etienne. Etienne. I should have. Well, I don't know whatever that was. That's I'm, staying in. The, Go ahead. The the running back on the Jaguars. We were watching him the other day, and I asked my brother, I was like, how do you say his name? And then they're like, Eteen. Or no, I think it was the announcer that said that. And I was like, oh, that's Hunter's middle name. No. Anyways. Mine's Etienne. Etienne. Yeah. I remember when I went to your, your graduation, they said Etienne, and I was like, dang, that's a dope last name. Yeah. Anyways, currently a bye week. Got nothing really to look forward to this weekend. We do have... Oklahoma University to look forward to next weekend, which I mean, yeah, that'll be a that'll be a game. Um, however, I think it's appropriate for us to go over some of our thoughts from KU this past Saturday. Got a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. I got some notes here for the defense. Hunter doesn't even need a notebook. No. Hunter, I have no notebook today. Hunter has he doesn't need a notebook because it's a bye week, but he already knows what he's going to talk about. So, no. but yeah, I mean, I don't know where we should start. We should we should probably start with JRP though because that is, I don't know. A lot of people were hoping or glad that he was back, but obviously not back to full. Yeah. So, uh, JRP comes back and is named the starter. I think they announced it the day before or the night before, one or two. Yeah. But either way, he played in the game. He had uh, the brace on. Um, and people out there were expecting some great things because of what happened the previous week. However, uh, that did not happen. And people were fairly disappointed. Um, but personally, myself, I had said this before, people have documented me saying this, saying that JRP should have come, should have came back, come back, came back, wanted to. It should come back. Should have come back, um, not necessarily against Oklahoma, but from Oklahoma then on, because, you know, that, that injury looked very scary and everybody else was fairly worried about it. And just the way that it all happened and, you know, it, it's not really enough time for an injury like that to heal. Um, and so, especially with this week being a bye week, it's another week to regroup and refresh. And so, um, you know, it's another chance, another chance for him to, to get better and get to his full potential, not just 60 or 70%, which yeah. is what we saw. Yeah, I mean, like, I was really excited when I found out that he was in, and I mean, my hope was that he was, he was ready, and you know, it was a lot sooner than we expected. However, it was clearly obvious in the first quarter that he was just not, not himself. You got to realize, like, JRP is a dual threat quarterback, and you know. Putting him in there with his leg at 60, 70%, like you said, 
he's not as dynamic on offense. I would probably argue that he's a better runner than he's a thrower. I mean, if if we're just being real, like I mean, his his passing has gotten better. Um but I would say his his rushing definitely edges it out a little bit, but if you got a knee injury, you you're not you're obviously not going to be able to run. And if you think about it, like it's his right knee that he injured and we talked about this before this episode. I mean, you know, that knee is getting twisted and and um is active every single time he throws the football. And so it's just dangerous. I get why there would be a little bit of a rush to put him in because he's a fifth-year senior. And, I mean, who knows if this is his last year or what his future is. I get the rush, and I get that this is our first year in the Big 12 and that he's our star quarterback. However, um, it's better, like you said, to hold off. And, and when you told me that initially, when you said, yeah, he should play after Oklahoma, I was like, yeah, that's a little far. But now I'm like, nah, like, the evidence was clearly laid out for us as he played maybe two, maybe three drives, I think. It was like three drives he played, and that's all he played. And so, yeah. And a lot, and I get that not, not a lot of people, because I've asked people as well about Timmy McLean. Not a lot of people are happy with him. Um, and even me sometimes. Sometimes he's back there in the pocket, and I get a little uncomfortable with how McLean plays. But... Um, yeah, it's just how it is, though, to be honest with you. And, but again, like, my thing is, all of this could have been avoided if John Rush Plumley. I don't know if he, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be disrespectful or rude or anything, but, like, you know, sliding as a quarterback is huge, to be honest with you, and that's something that he does not do, in my opinion. Um, I remember back in the day when, when we had Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles was a dynamic thrower and he could run the football. He was big on like the read option. So that faked a lot of teams out, especially when we went, when we went against Baylor in the Fiesta Bowl. However, when Blake Bortles would run, he gained 10 yards, then he'd slide. He'd protect himself. This happened both this year. And I think I've said this before this year and last year with John Rice Plumley on him getting injured mid season because he's just, He's taking those hits that he doesn't need to take. And yes, he used to be a wide receiver. He used to be a linebacker, but that's not his role anymore. His role is a quarterback. His role is to throw the football. And if you're going to run the football, you got to protect yourself because we need you. And now we're now we're in a tough spot. Um, so in my opinion, all of that could have been avoided, but it's not. And we got to work with what we got with Timmy McClain. Um, and what you got last Saturday versus Kansas was not the game that you would have liked to have watched. Fair to say? No, yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, personally, I have some notes here. We'll just... Go ahead. I, I only have, like, four, and it's pretty much... Most of them are on the defense. We'll, we'll start off with the positive. So... You say your things, and then... Yeah, he's he's got a whole spiel... That we're gonna get to that has to do yeah I'll just let him go. Um, what was good? Um, Harvey had a great game, sixteen carries, one hundred thirty-three yards, a little over eight yards of carrying, and a touchdown. Harvey did a really good job on a few of the plays of splitting the a gap. Really good job. Um, you know earlier this year we we were discussing if Harvey Harvey had 
um, NFL potential and how we needed it. We needed him to. We needed to see how he was going to play against Big Twelve teams. Um, definitely, by far, his best Big Twelve performance yet, and he needs to keep it up. Um, other than that, really, I mean, like I hate to say it, and I hate to be negative, but it was sloppy. Like defense, you know, after watching the highlights, Kansas was definitely tougher than us, especially. Their offensive line just overpowered, just outstrengthened our defensive line. Um, lack of urgency, really, in the secondary. We were late to everything. Um, there were times where there were DBs that, I mean, it's clearly a run play, and they're still waiting to tackle the runner, and then the runner gains like five extra yards, and that happened one. That happened one play, and then they ended up scoring. And then my last thing is a lack of organization in the secondary. So there were problems in the secondary. There were problems all over the place on defense. Secondary, safeties, DBs, defensive line. Um, it was rough, and that's how we gave up 51 points. Linebackers confused, not communicating with each other well of how to stop the run game. Um, all three of their rushers averaged at least seven yards a carry. All three of them. One of them had like almost 13 yards a carry average. So that kind of, those kinds of numbers, and I'm pretty sure it was like 399 rushing yards given up in total. Like, and I'm just going to quote Gus Malzahn himself. You can't win a football game like that. Those kinds of numbers are just unacceptable. And, you know, it's weird now how I'm saying, how I'm saying that defense had a lack of, um, how should I say this? It's how, it's weird how I'm saying that the defense did poorly because I was the one earlier in the season saying how our defense was pretty solid. But mm-hmm. to be honest with you, I mean, through the education that this guy's, through the, through the knowledge that he's given me and just through what I've seen so far in the Big 12, we, we need to get better. Talent is not an issue. No. It's just the gaps that need to be filled. Communication, organization, toughness, the want and the, the passion to win, that's all going to be better. So anyways, I'm done with my spiel. Um, I'm going to let him get to his spiel <laughs> because he's got, yeah. Anyways, take it away. Okay, so first things first, we're going to get this out of the way. I'll ask you, I'll ask you some questions, <laughs> but the first thing I got to ask you is because Let's just get this out of the way. If you don't know us personally, this guy goes to UCF. This guy... I'm a student. He's a student at UCF. He has watched UCF his entire life, basically. Yeah. No, ever since I was five. You you are a close fan of the team. Yes. Okay? Yes. Now, me. (laughs) I am not as big of a fan of UCF as he is. My house is about five minutes down the road from UCF. I'm not going to tell you the address for privacy person, uh, <laughs> privacy reasons. reasons. Um, but yeah, I live close to UCF. I've watched the games. I've studied it because I'm just that big of a sports nerd, I guess. Like that's just how I am. And it's the closest college team to watch, you know? Um, 
And I've gone to the games, and I've had season tickets before, and I've loved it. It's we posted great. on Instagram. You've seen you've seen them at the games. Yeah, you see, I, I enjoy it, right? But I am not a diehard UCF fan. Right. My college football fandom is for Georgia, and that's for personal reasons. If you want to come at me and say that I'm a bandwagon, this and that, go ahead. But I have my personal reasons why. If you want to come talk to me, come talk to me. That's just how it is. That's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. Anyways, because you are a huge UCF fan, as a fan of UCF, how? what are your thoughts on the season so far? Like, especially, I want to examine the past two games where UCF has lost to Baylor, which is a bottom-tier team in the Big 12, and against Kansas. Because Kansas right now is actually ranked. But Baylor's also a bottom tier team, so even KSU too. Yes, yeah, to so that's all three. Three losses yeah, right there. Yeah. So, how are you feeling as of right now today, versus and then and then I want you to tell me how you were feeling after those losses. So how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling right now. Um, definitely disappointed. Definitely not. I mean. I don't know, man. It's just, it's just not like you grow up and, and you watch UCF, you know, turn out. It's been a roller coaster. I feel like ever since I was six years old, ever since we were in the conference USA, it's been a roller coaster. I mean, um, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I mean, that, that's that happens with a bunch of college football teams. Um, I mean, right now FSU is getting back to the way they used to be. But um, it's been a roller coaster because, you know, we, we get to be, we go to the Fiesta Bowl, we win the Fiesta Bowl, lose White Bortles, things kind of go down south from there. We kind of get good again, go to the Peach Bowl, um, claim ourselves to be national champions, Scott Frost, Mackenzie Milton, all the whole deal. Um, Dylan Gabriel, and then Gus Malzahn comes in 2020, and now we're we're in the Big 12. Um, so it's been a roller coaster for sure. But to be honest with you, how I'm feeling right now is um, just really disappointed, to be honest with you, because I feel like we knew going into this season that we were going to play Oklahoma. We knew that they were going to be really good. We knew that they have our former quarterback. And so you think about how Oklahoma is our fourth game in the Big 12. And how you got KSU, Baylor, and Kansas. Like, those were the three games, in my opinion, that those are the games where it's like, okay, like, like these are the games that we should be winning or should be, like, really competing in. And then Oklahoma comes, and that's, like, the big test. Because if you think about it, like, KSU, the game was tied going into the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter came, and, and we just fell apart. Baylor, we gave up. A four touchdown lead. It's like okay, we clearly should have won that game, and then Kansas, we just didn't come out strong at all. Nothing, nothing was good with Kansas. We were just not locked in at all. If we would have been locked in, then the score would have definitely been closer because Kansas is not known. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Kansas is not really known to be a blowout school. No. They also didn't have a starter, by the way. Yeah, but that's another good point. So really, like, it's disappointing because 
Those three games, in my opinion, were winnable games. Right now, we could be five. What, what is it? We could be five, at least five and one. At least, in my opinion. At least five and one. Now, Oklahoma is a tough game, but that should really be the big test. I feel like now, after seeing these three losses, I look back and I go, okay, like, these were winnable games, bro. Like, it's not... I mean, yes, the Big 12 is a different conference, but it's it's more of putting it together, really. That's where we're screwing it up. But maybe that's a part of us joining a new conference. Maybe maybe it takes time. Maybe it'll take some time for us to be up to that level. Um, I don't know. But, but to answer your question, though, on how I'm feeling right now, it's, it's very very disappointing because I feel like we've been able to have, we've had several opportunities, you know, to make a statement and and make a name for ourselves in the Big 12. And we've kind of blown a few of them. We've just blown them. And, you know, it's like like we have it, but it's just not fully there. So, yeah. All right. So (laughs) now you've heard from... What a big UCF fan. An actual fan. Yeah. Where, their, where their head is at. Yes. And so, here's my thing. College football is one of the greatest things to look forward to during the year. There's a lot of ups and downs. And there's a lot of fans who are extremely diehard and will tailgate out at 7, or seven in the morning if they really wanted to. All the way until game time could be at 8 o'clock at night. There, people are really dedicated, but here's my thing is that there's, especially what I've seen from UCF fans, and this might step on some toes, but there are some of y'all out there who take it way too seriously. And I know that might sound bad because it's like, yeah, you're supposed to be loyal to your team. Of course it's going to be bad. Like, but at the same time, this has been a rough few weeks for UCF, and what I've heard from some people is that they're calling for Gus Malzahn's head. They're mm. going after the whole program and are saying <laughs> yeah. the things that cannot be said on a this podcast. Like There are people who are taking it way too seriously, and to the point where their emotions are going based off of the games yeah that's taking it a little too far too far um too much it's i mean ucf fans emotions can either be really high or they can be really low they're really high when y'all proclaim yourselves as national champions and it's really low when it was i think it was 0 and 12. I think that's what we were. Over, one, I think it was in 12, 20, 2015 or 2016. I think that was the record. Yeah. That was really low. Yeah. And yes, you should feel disappointed right now, but you have to look at the positives. And that's with everything in life. You have to look at the positives. Yeah. You're in the Big 12 now. You're playing with the big dogs. You're playing on national TV. You're getting the big brand deals. 
people are noticing you a lot more. Your social media pages are skyrocketing. Mm -hmm. Your Instagram, your TikTok, your Snapchat, your Facebook, even if you're still on it, those social media pages are being flooded with UCF stuff. And so you have to appreciate what has been happening with UCF and you can't take it too far to the point where it's controlling your everyday life. You can't base your emotions off of the losses. You can't be like, oh, well, my team lost, so now I'm going to be depressed for the whole week until ne the next game, and hopefully we'll be better by then. It's like, no, calm down. Like, you don't need to go that far. Right. Um, and so I'll transition to my next thing, is, which is the coaching. Um, so before I start, I'll ask another question. Where are your thoughts on, on Gus Malzahn? Like, what are your thoughts on him? Because we also have to play in the fact that this man just got an extension a few days before the Kansas game. Well, so, I think it was, I mean, it was over the summer, but like they announced it recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really, my thing with him is uh, he needs to inspire the team more, in my opinion. I think just through what I've seen in the press conferences, and I know that doesn't give the full picture, but he needs to, it doesn't, and I kind of touched with this on the defense, just the lack of, of you know, like the lack of urgency and, and need to get better. Like, okay, like we got to get better like, like now, and I need to push my players to be better now. Like, I think I was, I was talking to you about this at college night. I was saying how... Like in college night while you're at it? Yes. If you're a UCF student... <laughs> not even... I'm not a UCF student. Okay, if you go to college in the Central Florida area, that means UCF, Full Sail, Valencia, Seminole, Rollins, wherever, come to college nights, Monday nights, 8 p.m. Uh, we're involved with Action Church. We sometimes meet at the Cypress Room. We sometimes play volleyball at Lake Claire. We sometimes go to Burger U. We sometimes do worship nights on the top of Parking Garage B. Be there. DM us if you have any questions. Back to what I was saying. Um, lost my train of thought. Uh, it's a good train of thought, though. Where, yeah, it is. Anything, about? anything for Jesus. What was I saying? Uh, right. I was Okay, college night. So I was telling you this on, I think, Monday. Uh... The number one school right now in college football that a lot of people are putting their focus on is Colorado. Obviously, because of Deion Sanders and the fact that he has two of his sons playing. And one of them has been talked about as being one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. Um, they won the game against ASU on Saturday. Barely. By a game-winning field goal. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. You don't know that? Nope. That's his new thing that he does. That should do it. Oh, yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, he flexes on the ASU thing. He's got so many things. He's got a theme song. He's got shades. <laughs> Anyways, um, they lost. No, sorry, they won by field goal. Um, but in the press conference, he was honest and he was like, not happy at all with our performance. Even though we won, not happy at all. And he kind of Express his frustration a little bit. I'm not saying that Gus Malzahn needs to do the exact same thing. But that kind of attitude, if you want your team to get better, I think, in my opinion, needs to be shown more. Because it 
it inspires, and, and this is this is what's huge with Deion Sanders is his leadership that inspires everybody on the team. Everybody on the team. Um, I can think of examples when I used to play soccer or football when the coach would get us hyped up and we would end up winning the game or even more. That's my number one thing with Malzahn is um, I don't want to bash him for being a bad coach, bad play calls, none of that. My biggest thing is the team needs the team needs more passion, in my opinion. More, we got to get turned more, and we got to we got to get better with a little bit more urgency. Um, we can't be laid back. So that's my thoughts on him. I mean, I could say a lot more, but I don't want to bash at all. <laughs> so, like you said, I'll be talking about a little bit about um, some Gus Malzahn. Mm. There are some positives and some negatives with with him as a coach. Um, I'll say that I'll start with the positives because I just talked about negative stuff so i'll talk about the positives um so with the hiring of gus malzahn um we have seen uh, at least uh people who pay attention to the recruiting side um i have seen that we have gotten a lot more recruits who are paying more attention and taking visits and not only taking visits but actually committing to UCF from four stars to five stars, even three stars. Cause I mean, it doesn't re- honestly, the stars don't really matter. I always see this recognition. If you are ranked with one, two, three, four, five stars. Um, so yeah, like I, with recognition, UCF getting those big names, it's putting UCF more out there. There's more attention drawn. And you don't, we didn't really get that with the coaching beforehand. Um, and a factor that plays into that is that Gus Malzahn um, was the offensive coordinator when Auburn won the national championship with uh, Cam Newton. And so um, he did that, and then I believe he left. And then he got hired as the coach and back at Auburn. And he did a honestly a subpar job yes there was like a couple of games where a couple times i should say where he beat alabama but i mean other than that there wasn't any competing in the national championship there wasn't anything you know that stuck out really and then he got fired and so where do you go from there as an older coach where do you go from there his soft landing spot was ucf and that's where he's ended up as a UCF, so a team that was subpar to say the least. I mean, well, at that time, we was finishing with like an eleven and three record, yeah, which is not terrible. But there's no, you know, national stage. Yeah, really. and, and we lost our star QB. Yeah, like not long before. Yeah, yeah. I'll get into that too. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, um, and so with with Gus Malzahn's persona the way that he goes about coaching it's very almost old school ish to the point where it controls and it dictates how the team 
goes out and plays. If you have a coach who's fired up, who you can see is ready to go, and it's not just, you know, moseling all along, the team is obviously, like like you said, we brought in Dion. Like, he brought he brings a lot of hype, a lot of swagger, a lot of um, – a little immaturity is good in the fact that because you have to connect with your players. Yeah, you know, you, that's a good point. <laughs> you're, you're wanting to get them involved because – one, you're a coach, but at the same time, because you're a coach, you're almost like a father figure, and so you have to teach your kids the right way. You have to, you know, connect with them a little bit more, have that that relationship. And I just don't think, I mean, like you were talking about his press conferences, I just don't think that the way that he goes about a game is the right way. It's still kind of like, okay, well, we're going to play another game. Let's go Knights and boom and all that stuff. Like, that's all you see. I haven't seen him get any hype-up videos or nothing based around him. Um, but, I mean, it just the way that you see on the field, there was no sense of urgency against Baylor. You, it, That all comes from the coach. Yeah. There was no uh, – they literally left their foot – they got their foot off the brake yeah. or the gas. We start – no offense, but, like, we – I mean, in college football, you, you rack up the points. That's how it works. That's how you get a higher ranking. But we kind of – we took out some of our starters, like, in the third quarter. You you took the foot off the gas, yeah. and you allowed the bottom-tier team to come back, and not only come back, but to beat you. And then in Kansas, like, there was no – Okay, guys, we still got this. We can we can get back in this game. There was none of that. Yeah. It was kind of just kind of look lazy. That's yeah. what it looked like. There's no sense of urgency. No look like they want to play, and that all stems from the coach. Regardless if it's your position, like position coach, position coach gets that from the coach, and so it's his job in order to do so. And so another thing is that. Um, when UCF had their coaching cycle of Scott Frost and then Josh Heupel and now Gus Malzahn, there was a, there was an opportunity to hire a younger, a more, uh, not more experienced, but a younger, uh, who has experience, who all the players love, and that was Jeff Lebby. And if you are a person who is involved in UCF, like knows UCF, you know who Jeff Lebby is. He's currently the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. Um, he was the offensive coordinator here at UCF. And he grew a really close relationship with Dylan Gabriel. And along with all the other players, all the players loved him. They spoke very highly of him. Uh, one player in particular was uh, Matt Lee. He was the center at UCF. He transferred to Miami this year. Um, but he, some but like he played at my high school and you know he's he had he would talk to the coaches at my school and there was nothing but great things about Jeff Levy when that coaching vacancy was open he voiced his opinion along with other players voicing their opinion for Jeff Levy and he didn't get the job and now he's at Oklahoma he's doing great things they are currently ranked fifth in the nation and they also have Dylan Gabriel. And where was Dylan Gabriel before Oklahoma? He was at UCF. UCF. <laughs> you, uh, Dylan Gabriel, 
after last week beating Texas, the number three team in the nation, had put his name in the Heisman contention. He was at UCF. The guy who's now in Heisman contention, the one who's now getting a whole lot of uh, national recognition, was at UCF. We had it. We also had the offensive coordinator who took him to Oklahoma. It was right here in your hands. <laughs> right here. Right here. We had it. But they decided to go with somebody who had just gotten fired from Auburn because he couldn't do his job of, you know. I mean, when it comes to rivalry, We beat him as well. That too. We beat him in the you, Peach Bowl. You, you got the guy who beat you. We beat him. I, like... We beat him in the Peach Bowl. That's all I'm going to say. Um... But like I said, you, you had the opportunity to get someone younger, to get someone who all the players love. And like I was talking about the, how big the relationship is between the coach and the players. You had that. You had all of it. You just had to promote it. That's all you had to do. And he's a, his offense, his offensive mind is up there. And if you watch the Oklahoma games, you can see it. That last, that last drive that Oklahoma had all comes from the offensive coordinator because Oklahoma's head coach, Brent Venables, is a defensive coach. He's a defensive mind. So he's not necessarily running the offense. Chef Levy is. All you see on offense is him. And the what he was able to do against Texas, who has a fairly good defense, by the way. Um, but yeah, it was right there. He had it, didn't take it. And so there are some positives. There are some negatives for Gus. And there's the big hype between around the whole Gus Plus when he first came and it was a big deal. All that, all the hype was there at the beginning because he coached at Auburn. Other than that, I haven't really seen anything to get me excited personally. Somebody who's watching as a college football fan. I will say another thing though um, that I actually just remembered. Um, with Gus Malzahn. So I'm a kicker, as some of you guys know. And Gus Malzahn came in 2020. The kicker that we had before Colton Boomer, his name was Daniel Obarski. This guy was either a three or a four star. He was he was from Arizona. Um, got a full kicking scholarship. Full ride. Comes to UCF, but just was not producing. Um, we had him for all four years. All four years we had Daniel Obarski. And I think it was in, so my sophomore year of high school, so it was the 2020 season, the 2021 season, and even the beginning of last season, he played a bit. However, all three of those times, he was missing field goals left and right, missing extra points left and right. Um, some of his kickoffs might have gone out of bounds, if I remember correctly. But the main thing that everyone remembers is that his his, his field goals, he, he just wasn't consistent at all. Um, Colton Boomer comes along. And I think last year was Boomer's freshman year. He comes in. Obarski First two games of the year, he's not cutting. Again, he's missing extra points, missing field goals. 
We played against FAU, mentioned that game from last year before on this podcast. Colton Boomer goes like two for two in field goals, two for two in extra points, something like that. One of those field goals was a 41-yard field goal. So it took, and and Gus Malz, and this is Gus Malzahn's fault, it took Gus Malzahn three seasons to finally be like, we need a new kicker. We need someone else in that spot. Because the way I see it, like, and this is how it is, and especially with Nick Saban, is if you're not cutting it, then you're not playing. But it took him literally three seasons to finally realize and be like, okay, like, this is the guy we need. And even before Colton Boomer came, like, give those other guys a shot. Because Obarski wasn't cutting it. But, like, this seems... But 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 I'm what I'm what I'm saying with this is though is it circles back to the point that we've been making of, of the lack of urgency, the lack of, of of adjusting, trying something new, trying you know something different so that we can win football games. I mean that hurt us. Not having a good kicker hurts your team. Not having a kicker who can split the pipes from fifty yards out hurts your team. It's more. It's a lot more heavier in the NFL because you see a lot more game-winning field goals in the NFL, um, and those guys are much more consistent, and much more accurate than, than college kickers. But you know, this is a D1 football institution. You've got to have a kicker who's consistent. And the fact that it took him all that time to finally realize, okay, like this guy is not cutting it. That's just, I just don't understand that. To be honest with you, that's what needs to change. And that kind of has to go along with what you were saying. You know, transition from Auburn to here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, like we said at the beginning, this is a bye week for UCF. And so hopefully all the mistakes that they did make, they can learn from it and watch a lot of film. And go on the practice field, refresh and regroup, and get ready for a big test. Yeah. Um, at this point, people aren't expecting a lot from UCF for this game. So they have an opportunity to shock the world. You know, if it's, I mean, anything's possible. I mean, it's college football. <laughs> yeah. In college football, anything is possible. Yeah. So, yeah, Oklahoma is a heck of a, of a, football team but anything is possible they have a chance to to make some noise even if it's just having a close game against the number five team that would speak a lot right and so you know hopefully Gus Malzahn comes in with a sense of urgency and not being relaxed and being okay well it's Oklahoma we're gonna lose like get your players hype up and hype them up for the entire weekend leading up to it because if you want to finish the season strong now it's time to do it because this is the midway through the season and this is the time start now you are start oh no zero and zero start now we got this i we we can turn it around i believe in us we got we got the talent we can definitely turn it around no doubt about that i mean yeah, it's gonna be a process though. But this is what's good. This is what's good though about the bye week. Like you said, refreshing regroup, got some time to change some things up. Um, got a week off 
to rest and not have to worry about traveling or anything like that. So, anyways, with that, that's about all we have here. It's about time to wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for watching this fifth episode, Night Sports Net. Um, on the night sports net. I mean, I really wish we could say like on, on like Fox or like on CBS or like on a network, <laughs> on on like a network or something like that. But no, this is this is the night sports net. Um, yeah, stay tuned for more videos in the future. Um, stay tuned for reels on Instagram. Go follow us on our socials. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You already know. Appreciate all the love you guys give us too. All the times that people have come up to us and um, said that we're doing a great job, it really means a lot. Yeah. Because, you know, it was more of just like an idea. Now we're doing it. And so I appreciate all the love you guys have given us. It really means a lot. Um, and um, coming up, we might have some people who will join. And, you know, we might have a third mic or face or Zoom in some people. But, if you are wanting to do that, let us know in the comment section on YouTube. Let us know um, on Instagram. Uh, and I don't know if you can comment on the podcast, like Apple. No, you, no, I don't think you can. <laughs> but hit us up. If you know us personally, send us a text message. We would love to have you. And yeah, thank you guys again for all the support and love. We really appreciate it. Of course. And with that, peace.